Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Monday, Wednesday, in this case, a Victory Tuesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash All Steelers Talk or anywhere you get your podcast. We're coming off of a Monday night win in Indianapolis, Lucas Oil Stadium, which I have to start by saying is quickly climbing to my favorite stadium in football. Like, you know, you ride a motorcycle onto the field before the game. <laughs> that's awesome. But you have like 17 live bands going on within the stadium. That's even better. And then the pregame show, you know, it's just it's just a great, great atmosphere. Um in a sleep in right now, currently recapping the win felt good. Felt like a momentum building kind of a, Hey guys, everybody take a deep breath and relax win for the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fans. I couldn't tell you if it's nice outside or not. My, I got my curtains shut and I haven't been outside yet, but I would imagine that it's a beautiful day here in Indy and it's a beautiful day there in the Berg. How you feeling my friend? Feeling good. Um, feeling good. I think you, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Like this was a bit of a relieving win. Like the Colts, I don't know. I, I don't know if the steel, I can't remember if the Steelers were favored going. I don't think they were favored going into this game, but I, I went into this game thinking this was one that they should win. Um, it was one of those games that I think you could afford to win and still kind of, you could still kind of maintain that balance between like looking towards the future and, uh, you know, finding out some stuff about this team in the immediate future. Um, you beat a pretty bad team, quite honestly, but you looked good while doing it, and yep. that's that's probably the sweet spot right there. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was the thing is it was a game that even in the second half when, you know, things started slow, there was never a moment or at least elongated moment where you sat there and went, man, like – this should have been a positive and now it's a negative. You looked at the whole thing and just said, all right, look, that's a good, that's, that's good. That's good that that happened. That's good that that happened. There were some negatives on defense. I think mm-hmm. obviously the couple of three and outs that happened at the beginning of the third quarter weren't good, but I, I thought that overall, this was the best game that the Pittsburgh Steelers played as a whole. Um, I want to start with Kenny Pickett, obviously star of the show. I just saw on Twitter that he's got the highest PFF ranking, out of any quarterback in week 12, which is huge. Hmm. What did you see from him? Did you look at this game and say, there it is, because I won't lie. This was the first time I looked at this game and said, yeah, there, there he is. There's there's the Steelers' next franchise quarterback. Um, Yeah, I think they're – so, like, the – the when you look at it – when you look at, like, the box score, nothing stands out to you. Um, no. Maybe besides, like, the no interceptions. But – yeah, like, um, pull up his final numbers here. 20 of 28 for 174 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no picks, sacks three times. Like, that's not particularly impressive, but I thought there were real, there were individual moments that really stood out, and those were the times where I think that you're referring to, where you're thinking, okay, there it is. Um, wasn't perfect and it wasn't super clean the entire time but he he made those like clutch plays um and it it obviously looks looks better coming out on the other side with a win instead of a loss but 
those those moments were valuable. Like the um hitting that big that big play down the sideline to George um to spark their, oh, their yeah. first touchdown drive. Um the two point conversion, obviously, that took like a little moxie and creativity and showed some chemistry again with George. Um that that throw to Firemuth, I think on the same drive, the game the one that 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 last touchdown scoring drive like that was that was a really impressive throw um and i think when you look at those individual moments you can find more to be really optimistic about with kenny um than if you looked at kind of looked at it kind of from a a thirty thousand foot view yeah agreed i think the box score is something you have to just remove right now unless it's filled with turnovers and interceptions but you you can't expect kenny pickett to have a 400 yard game i mean we have to keep it on the spectrum that we've been keeping it in when we talk about the negative of, okay, well, he's a rookie. He needs time to develop. You can't have these huge expectations for this guy. Chances are he's going to stink. We have to keep that in the same realm when we talk about how good he is and say he's a rookie. You know, we're not looking for 400 yard games. Nobody's expecting this guy to break any records. All they're looking for and all we were looking for coming into the game and coming into last game and coming into the game before that was the next step. Take the next step. Take the next step. And I think in this game, he showed nothing's too big for me. The moment has definitely dimmed down, which is huge because against Miami, the moment was too big for him. And that that stunk because you saw that he wanted to be that guy, but he couldn't be that guy. In this game, you looked at it and said the moment was not too big. Kenny Pickett had this under control. He wasn't trying to do too much, which I think was huge for the Steelers. And he kind of relied on everybody else, which I think is what you need to do. And then you look at those throws because that was the other thing that we were looking for. We knew Kenny Pickett had the moxie, but we wanted to see him be able to slow the game down enough to make big time throws that you were impressed with. And I think in this one, just like you said, the George throw, perfect. That Pat Fryermuth throw will go unnoticed for years, but that was probably the best throw, second best throw. I think the two-point conversion was his best throw, but I think that throw to Pat Farah was mm-hmm. equally as impressive. And then the two-point conversion, just like you said, he could have ran that in, taken a beating. He said, no, me and George are on the same page right now, found him in the perfect spot of the corner of the end zone. You can't throw that any better than he did. And I think that was the biggest thing is for the first time, you kind of felt like, this offense actually has a rhythm. They have connections. They have chemistry, you know, something that you've been looking for the whole time. So I think, you know, he did. He took all those right steps. And I, I honestly have no negatives coming out of that game. I, I saw people asking on Twitter. They were like, what What would you grade him? I'd grade him an A. Like, I'm not looking for 500 yards. I'm just looking for Kenny Pickett to take a step each week. Um, you look at this game, you think – because I, I won't lie, this was, this was my first thought watching this game, and especially watching it back. You know, I watched it back early this morning, and the first thing I saw was, or the first thing that came to mind was like, okay, coming into this game, I didn't think the Steelers had a franchise quarterback. And I'm not going to say that Kenny Pickett is a franchise quarterback, but I think leaving Indianapolis, I will move on with the thought of the Pittsburgh Steelers have their guy at least for the next two, three years to see what they have in Kenny Pickett. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I never really, I was never really disguised, you know, I was more on the side of, not that I, I believed it without any evidence, but I was, you know, I had a little more faith in, in his talent and, and in that pick, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think this, this absolutely confirmed that, that Kenny kind of has the medal that you need. Um, 
like there were so many other throws I think throughout the game that will kind of go a little overload. Like we hit on the highlights, but he put like a different kind of zip on the ball. Um, he had oh, a different yeah. kind of confidence. Like his even... throw to Deontay that like the oh, one yeah. that he ripped. That yeah. was that was the fastest throw I've ever seen Kenny Pickett make. Like yeah. easy, and the throw to George that people are hitting him on that are kind of giving him hate for of yeah. oh he threw that too low no he put that exactly where it needed to be because if he threw that as a normal pass george is getting rocked and yeah. you know he that was just george putting bad hand placement but i agree i agree yeah. a bunch of good throws yeah um it was it was impressive um and i think that that point you hit on like the moment not being too big like that's something you kind of thought you'd get with kenny right from the start um Took a little bit longer for I think for I think for it to really materialize, but it's there, it's there, and it's um, uh, I don't know, it, it it was a good feeling for people who I think were, it, it was it was getting a little dicey at certain points to be like, yeah, this guy's taking steps forward, um, and this guy's really, really showing that that he's he's got he's got the he's got what it takes to kind of stick around, um, yeah. It just it finally materialized in this game. Um, so it's yeah. a big it was a big and we and we like we came into this game thinking that the next big step was hitting on those big plays. Um and he hit on those on those big plays. He did kind of everything that you you could hope for him to do. Yeah, exactly. This was the the moment of okay, like, you know, just like you said, like you you had more confidence than Kenny Pickett. I think that shows every week when we talk about it. You've calmed me down quite a bit. But <laughs> You know, my thoughts were always like, okay, like I get it, but at some point you have to look beyond the, okay, we took a first round pick on this guy. I get it. Is he good enough to last it out? Because next year you got names like CJ Stroud and Bryce Young that are going to just, people are going to want him. You know, people are going to push that narrative of they should get a quarterback. And then the year after that, when Caleb Williams comes out, that narrative is going to be through the roof, especially if the Steelers are bad again. It's you should go get Caleb Williams. There's zero question about it. You should go get Caleb Williams. I think today, this morning, that narrative is quieted down, at least in my head. You know, I no longer sit here and think the Steelers should at least consider a top pick. Like if the Steelers ended the season today, and I think they've fallen out of the top 10 in the draft, but, you know, say they don't win again for the rest of the season, then and they find themselves in, you know, the seventh, eighth pick or whatever, I think it totally removes the, okay, you should consider a quarterback narrative that I would have had. You know, I would have definitely been somebody that are, okay, you know, you got to you gotta at least think about it. Now I'm just, you know, build around him. And I think that's the biggest part is you could build around him. Um, you saw George had a good game. That continues to be, in my opinion, the easiest over you could bet in all of football. Uh, last night he went into the game at 38 and a half yards for an over under. And I sat there just like, what are we doing? Do you just hand in money to people FanDuel? I don't understand that one. Um, you had an interesting piece. Not that I disagree with you, but you put Deontay Johnson in your losers this morning. Um, a guy that I don't, I don't remember what his stat line is, but he started off strong, kind of quieted down as he usually does dropped a touchdown pass or a potential touchdown pass that there was arguments about whether or not it was good coverage or whether he just dropped it. What are your thoughts on Deontay? Do you think that he, how significant I should say, do you think he walked away a loser? Is it, and is it becoming a concern for you? Yeah, I think pretty significantly. And it's not, it's not because of one game. Look like 
five catches for 49 yards is not going to cut it when you're paying $18 million for a guy. And, and that's what it always comes back to. It's not, it's not that Deontay is a bad player. It's not that he didn't have a decent game. Um, but like that, that drop in the end zone. And I think we're not talking enough about the fact that uh, second and 14 play where he catches it within oh. two yards of the first down already and just decides to run backwards. It like had a touchdown if he ran forward. Had a had a wide open lane to the touchdown. Yeah, and it's just those please those plays need to get made for for eighteen million dollars like that, like plain and simple. Um, he, like, yeah, like ten yards. If not only is he averaging like the lowest yards per catch of his career, but he's not scoring. He's not making big plays on third down. Um, if this was the only game where that kind of stuff had happened, that's one thing, but it's starting to become a pattern where in big moments, he's not able to come up with that clutch catch, um, hang on to the ball. It, it's, it's not enough for a guy who's getting paid that much. Um, and you know, it's, I don't know. He, he asked for that much money. So he gets, he gets to get judged on that curve. That's the trade off. Um, and so you have to judge him on that curve and $18 million guys, you know, big money guys make big money plays. And he did not, he did not make those plays. And it almost really, really cost the Steelers on yeah. a really, they both, both those mistakes came on a, the most crucial drive of the game, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think if the the biggest thing with Deontay Johnson right now, and I think that Deontay Johnson is a very good wide receiver. He's a good leader. But if the season ended today and Deontay Johnson did not have a contract and he needed to sign one, he would not get a contract in Pittsburgh. He would hit the free agent market and they would move on and they'd go find somebody else. And that stinks because Deontay Johnson has everything that you want in a wide receiver when it comes to his ability to get open. Nobody gets open like Deontay Johnson. His stop and go is unreal. He's got very reliable hands for the most part. It's just right now you look at the whole thing and you just say, what is going on with this guy? Why is he doing things like trying to make too much? It's almost like, the same thing that we talked about with Najee Harris at the beginning of the season of there's just something going on mentally where this guy thinks that he has to do everything. And maybe that is it. Maybe he hears everybody talking. Maybe he hears us talking about how, well, Deontay Johnson got paid $18 million. Deontay Johnson got paid $18 million. He's got to do this. He's got to do that. And in his head, he's like, if I don't score touchdowns, I'm getting cut or somebody's going to trade me or everybody's going to hate me. Like it can't be easy to have, you know, seven, 55,000 people every single week talking about how they can't stand you, you know, because you're not the best wide receiver on the team, you know, because they don't want a good number two wide receiver on the team. It's just, uh, it's a really, really difficult situation. And people talk about something like, like there's a lot going on right now, like trade Deontay Johnson. Do you think that that's even a pot? Like, could you even get anything for Deontay Johnson? for a team that's going to take on an $18 million cap hit and say, yeah, we'll also give up, you know, say a second round pick for you or a first round pick for you. And we'll take on that cap hit. I, I don't know if that's a possibility right now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there, I think someone, someone would take him. Um, he's too talented a guy not to, but Do you're right. They take to, on that cap hit though. Yeah. I think they're, yeah, I don't like, I think there are plenty of teams that would be willing to do that just to like look at what the like 
I don't know. I feel like the Rams model of just like spend a ton of yeah, money, true. get every old, get every like veteran, get every discarded veteran that you can and roll with it and just try to like bulldoze your way to a title. I, I don't know. That seems to be picking up steam. That seemed like what the Eagles were trying to do with Ndamukong and Sue. Um, I, sure. I absolutely think that someone would just try to brute force their way to a title with by adding a guy like Deontay. But I, but yeah, I absolutely think you're right to worry about the return. Um, because it only it, like it doesn't get any better. Like he's not playing his stock up or anything like that. No, yeah, and you pay a dude eighteen million dollars because you expect him to be an eighteen million dollar receiver. You don't pay him because he is an eighteen million dollar receiver. You pay him because in the next three years he should be an eighteen million dollar receiver. He's going to finish this season as not an eighteen million dollar receiver. Receiver, and he's only got two more years on his deal after this. Or I guess his deal would start next year so he's at three more years on his deal where he needs to be an 18 million dollar receiver it's just like a, it's a very tough situation to be in because you want to root for the guy you see everything that he has but if he doesn't start putting it together you know consistently and making getting rid of these mental errors because that, that's what it is that's what it comes down to is these mental errors you got to start thinking you know what what's the ceiling for this and is it is it a waste of money i, I hate to use that because i think guys deserve paychecks but and I root for players way more than I root for teams. And Deontay Johnson's a guy that you should root for. He's a good guy. But yeah, I just you know you look at it and you, you think it, it's a wait. It's a waste of money. We're hitting that that narrative of right. a waste of money. Well, I think you can just think about it. Is is it a price tag that the Steelers can afford? Um, mm, mm-hmm. You know, like eighteen million dollars yes. needs to go to someone who can really change the game for them on offense. And Deontay has not been that guy. Um, you know, or I Alex Highsmith. You know, there's people are people are talking about Alex Highsmith or Alex Highsmith. He needs a contract at the end of the season. Yeah. And you know, $18 million is cheap for Alex Highsmith, but you're gonna have to come up with the money. You're either gonna have to get rid of him, a, like a Pro Bowl caliber guy, or come up with that money and just accept the fact that you know you wasted that money on a wide receiver that isn't as good as Alex Highsmith. Yeah. And it really just comes down to whether or not you think Deontay can. I don't even know if regame form is the right, but no. if he can just because, like you said, it's mental errors. It's not about his ability, and it's not about his ability at all. It's it seems to be all up in his head, which is the hardest thing to judge, and I think the hardest. Um, I don't know, the hardest hardest thing to evaluate in a guy. You have no idea what's going on up there, and you have no idea if it's going to stick around. Yeah, yeah, it, it's and especially at this point, like he's four years into the league, and. It just seems like it was one mental error to the other mental error now. And mm-hmm. you just got to start worrying about like, like you said, is it ever going to go away? All right. Uh, I want to talk about the running game, Benny Snell Jr. And Anthony McFarland coming out huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers and then finished off with the defense. But first a little word from our boys over at Manscaped. It's never too early to play holiday music and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this a season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your drummer boy a favor and use the Lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top of the line shower products to have the people thinking, All I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about a sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and using our code STEALERS20 for free shipping and 20% off. 
The Manscaped Platinum Package 4.0 is the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. It has everything you need to help deck the halls from face to balls just in time for mistletoe season. The Platinum Package has each product from the best-selling performance package plus the ultra-premium body wash, ultra-premium 2-in-1 shampoo and conditioner, and ultra-premium deodorant. It's the best way to smell fresh from your Santa hat to your candy cane. The Lawnmower 4.0 body trimmer and the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer feature proprietary advanced skin-safe technology to protect your delicate presence. Plus, both are waterproof, so there's no issue cleaning the snow out in your driveway. There's also a 4,000K LED light on it, so you can light the way like Rudolph. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Package of shower products. All of Manscaped's shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack... You'll never go back. The Platinum Package 4.0 sitting under the tree is guaranteed to put anyone in the holiday spirit. And for the perfect stocking stuffer, add in the brand new body buffer, an incredible body scrubber that makes exfoliating easy and a lot cleaner than that old loofah. Get 20% off and free shipping with our code STEALERS20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and just use our code STEALERS20. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. All right, let's talk about the running game. Stepping up huge for the Steelers last night was Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, uh, neither of whom touched the ball one time all season. Anthony McFarlane was called up for his first game. They combined for 18 rushes, 92 yards, and a game-winning touchdown. I mean, I don't even I don't even have a question to ask outside of, you know, what – what about like what a performance what a put the team on your back we're gonna do this because there are no other options performance for two guys that people have pretty much given up on for the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah um just good for good for Benny Snell man like good for Benny Snell like I don't know like it's it it was really easy to like kind of think about Benny Snell and just think about what he hasn't done um all that we kind of expected him to be, and he wasn't. Um, but he he came up huge in a big spot. Um, it just speaks to his like professionalism, yeah. his uh, his game readiness, his preparation, all of that good stuff. Um, you know, you you listen to Mike Tomlin and Kenny Pickett talk about him just as a person and as like a professional um, in in their press conferences after the game, and you couldn't help but feel good for for Benny Snell who who had a really, really great game and did a lot of those things that like, I don't know. I, I, I never expected him to like be ripping off 15 yard runs with, with semi-regularity. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Like I love it every second of it because two things, one, I just like I talked about with Deontay, Benny is a good dude, you know, a guy that I respect a lot as a human always has a smile on his face, always willing to say hi, you know, always Anthony McFarlane, my favorite person in the locker room, you know, always, always says hi to me. You know, we talked about Thanksgiving. He was joking with me that I had to eat Thanksgiving dinner at seven o'clock at night and how ridiculous it was. You know, he's, he's a really, really good dude. Both of them, just like you said, stayed ready for the moment. The moment came, this is the best game I've ever seen Benny Snell Jr. Have like, he's had a 99 yard game before. I don't think it was as good as this one. I don't think he ran 
as powerful and as smooth as he ran in this one. Anthony McFarlane, I think, had the best game of his career. I think even statistically, it's the best game of his career. It, it's just like it, it's just a great thing to see when you have those guys. And you know, you have to give the credit to the offensive line. I think the offensive line, that's that's what you roll with from this one because you know it's gonna be tough to say, oh, you should keep all four running backs up moving forward and you know just utilize all four of them that's really hard to do but I think that you know this game kind of said like okay Mason Cole is the center of the Pittsburgh Steelers you kind of feel really good about that he could last his contract James Daniels is the right guard of the Pittsburgh Steelers he could last his contract Uh, you probably have to replace the left side of the line but overall there are building blocks and this is the best offensive line the Steelers have had in like three years um, and then outside of Dan Moore, I think, you know, you can move on and, and feel really good about this group and, and the and the future. You know, Chooks is another one that probably is going to stay, even though his contract's very iffy because it's so big. But I, I think you have to give all credit to the offensive line. Like, they they did their thing. And I thought Dan Moore, especially when I went back to watch the tape, Dan Moore had an atrocious game, and they still did their thing. Yeah, Dan, Dan Moore did not have a good game. And it was like really obvious from the start that Dan Moore was going to have a rough night. He oh, like, yeah. I think he, on the first drive, he both, uh, he had like the holding penalty to set him back like 10 yards and yeah. all but killed the drive and then up a sack like two plays later. Almost That's not, the, not- uh, Dan Moore with a hold with a, either a holding penny penalty or an illegal man downfield is the easy. If there's a prop bet for Dan Moore <laughs> having a penalty, it's the easiest, it's the easiest pick you'll ever make. In yeah. your whole life. It's guaranteed one game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you about the offensive line. I think this is maybe the third or fourth week in a row that we that we just sit here kind of astounded about like with, with what we're looking at. Um just given where we thought that group was gonna be at this point in the year or where they were at the beginning of the year. Like they they've been excellent. Um they were excellent last night. Uh the fact that there was no drop off between from going from Najee Harris and Jalen Warren to Betty Snell and Anthony McFarland like that. That tells you all you need to know. Um, they still, you're right. They still need pieces there, but um, that was an impressive performance against the Colts run defense. That is pretty good. Like one oh, yeah. of the better ones in the league. Um, that was, that was impressive. They Indy ranks third in uh, efficiency per attempt in, in rushing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 10th in success rate, they averaged 3.8 yards per carry and they gave up Benny Snell averaged 5.2 yards per carry and Anthony McFarlane averaged five. Right. Uh, and it's just, you know, like it's all credit to them. Like those, those holes were huge. You know, the running backs had the vision to actually see them and make a burst out of the line. I thought it was just so fluent. It was so fun to watch. Like I would love. If every single game gave me a backup running back that was balling, I would love every single game. That's the best thing about mm-hmm. football is when somebody comes in there and you're like, all right, this guy's got no hope. And then he just starts going off. And then another guy starts going off. And you're like, all right, this is this is a lot of fun to watch. And it's way better when it's a running back over pretty much any other position, to be honest with you. Because as the running back, you just keep handing them the football, you know? Right. And that Benny Snell spike, I know nobody could see it. Or I don't know if anybody could see it on TV, but that thing was spiked so hard that it bounced like a dozen times, made its way to the sideline, smoked a camera guy, and just kept going. That's yeah. how hard that spike yeah. was. It, it was it was awesome. Uh, do you, do you think? Uh, and I don't, you know, I don't believe that they do. But do you think that they continue to roll with with a little bit of Benny mix in the in the future uh, for the rest of the season? 
Yeah, I think with everyone healthy, no. Um, yeah. I mean, look, depending on what happens to, like, I don't know what Jalen and Najee are going to look like this week. Um, we'll probably get some update from Mike Tomlin today, but I don't know. That's not a – I don't know. You don't feel super uncomfortable having to roll against – who's up next? It's the – Atlanta. The, that's Atlanta. Oh, yeah. No, you don't – no, not at all. Yeah, you feel uh, – yeah, you feel you feel pretty good rolling rolling with that group into Atlanta. I'd say. Yeah, I agree. I, I think that even if it, that you could kind of like take your foot off the gas of rushing these guys back and just say, okay, like you know, we have two guys that we feel very confident in, um, and you can move forward, especially with the offensive line working like that. And if you got a full week's practice, you know, was actually able to create an offense around Benny Snell. I think Anthony McFarland was involved in the playmaking or in the play game planning this week. But I don't think Benny was. And I think that if you had a whole week of, oh, this is Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane, I think that offense could be a lot of fun, like a mm-hmm. lot, a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right, last thing I want to talk about is the defense before we head out of here. You know, very off and on game. TJ didn't find the quarterback. Alex Highsmith continues to prove that he is that dude. Um, I think my biggest takeaway, and I know that James Pierre gave up a touchdown to Michael Pittman Jr., and that was definitely on James Pierre, but – I thought the cornerback trio that they sent out there in Pierre and Levi Wallace on the outside with Cam Sutton on the inside was the most confident I felt in the secondary all season long. Really? That's a, that's kind of a bold take. Like, I don't know. I, that's just like, I like James Pierre. I'm a bit, I'm a James Pierre guy, but like, I don't, you, like you feel better about having him out there than Akello. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, no, see if it was my choice, because I think Akello got a bad rap. I think he came in against A.J. Brown and was still hurt and played good coverage on two touchdown passes that were just absolute dimes against, like, the fourth-best wide receiver in football. And people immediately were just like, oh, this guy's trash. And, like, had a bad game against Amari Cooper. I get that. But also, Amari Cooper is very good as well. And they're like, oh, he's trash. You know, like, I think he got a little bit of a bad rap. I think if he got healthy and, like, really, really healthy, then I would play James Pierre and Akella Witherspoon on the outside to start with Cam on the inside. But I think Cam Sutton moving to the inside is the best move that the Steelers can make because he's the best cornerback that they have. And while he is a good outside cornerback, you got to get rid of Arthur Mileta out there like as much as humanly possible. And I, I think it showed like Matt Ryan threw for 199 yards. Uh, James Pierre came up with an interception off of, uh, did you see the replay of that ge- of that play? And how yeah. bad Michael Pittman Jr. just absolutely demolished Cam Sutton and then yeah. came up with that was the worst non-call in the history. Yeah. But I mean, in the first half, or at least the end of the first quarter, Matt Ryan's passer rating was zero and the Colts had zero yards. Right. So, you know, that that's that's good for a guy that I get Matt Ryan's washed, but I still thought that they they impressed they definitely impressed me. Yeah, I mean, can't complain about that. Like, you just the stats tell you the whole story. Um, I think once you get to the second half, like, it, it, you know, I'm kind of you wonder how much is appropriate to like put on them for what happened in the second half because they did the defense as a whole did get kind of burned in the second half. Um, yeah, and but that's like kind of a consistent theme with this group. Um, yeah, there was no how message. much. And you wonder how much of that is on the players versus on the coaches. Um, I, I don't know if there's a way to know completely for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I, I completely, I'm with you there. 
Um, I, I think I, I still am. I don't know. That's, I feel like James Pierre is good in doses, but if you're, if you're leaving him out him for a full game, that, that gets kind of like do, doing that when you play the Browns in a couple weeks or the not to play the Bengals again, or even, I, even, I guess the Ravens, I don't know. I'm still a little bit wary about large, uh, large segments of James Pierre, quite honestly. So I agree with you there and I understand the caution, no doubt. I I just, I think he's like, I think if I had to choose between James Pierre, because at this point, like you can't expect a Keller Witherspoon to play football again this season. Like you just, mm-hmm. there's no signs that he's going to. So if I had to pick between large chunks of James Pierre or large chunks of Arthur Millette, I have to go James Pierre just because, he just he offers some upside. You know what I mean? Like he came up with that interception, felt good about the interception right off the jump. He's also a lot younger. Like he this is only his third year in the league. He's an undrafted guy. He's he really only had some opportunity last season and then got benched pretty quickly. Do I think he's like an every down corner? No, but for what the Steelers have, like for what the Steelers have, I think you know, they tried as hard as they could. I don't know if William Jackson's going to play this season. I have no idea what to expect from him. I don't expect Akello to play again this season. Like at this point, you're just looking at James Pierre, Cam Sutton, Arthur Millette, Levi Wallace with a sprinkle of Josh Jackson whenever he actually gets active on game days. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just I think that's your that's your best bet as of now. Now, you know, in the offseason, you go get a cornerback. And if you do right. not go get a cornerback, you have ignored the second biggest hole on your entire team outside of Dan Moore. Like you just were just like, Oh yeah, whatever, man. We'll just run it back as it was like Mm -hmm. nothing bad happened at all. But Cam Sutton, I mean, I just think Cam Sutton's versatility. If he could learn how to tackle while moving as fast as he moved when he could have taken Matt Ryan's head off in the backfield there, you know, I think he's, he's better than Mike Hilton. I think, like, you know, people were big Mike Hilton fans. I think I love Mike Hilton, but I think Cam could be one of the best slot corners in, in football. I just think he's that smart. Um, the other the other talking point on defense is obviously Alex Highsmith. If the season ended today and you it didn't matter how you had to do it, you know, but you had to come up with the money. Is there any question that you are not paying Alex Highsmith as much money as you could possibly pay him? Not at all. Um, yeah, you got to lock that guy down. Um, he is, if you're not going to pay him a bunch of money, someone else is, and you're gonna, you're going to regret it. And if you ever face him, he is going to remind you on every down that you should have invested that money in him. Cause he's a really good player. Um, yeah, he has earned that, uh, the way he kind of helped keep things afloat, at least on the, at least on the defensive line without, without TJ. Um, you know, obviously I think TJ, coming back has like really helped him kind of evolve into this guy that we, or, you know, play like this guy that we know that he is. But um, yeah, if you, I think if you don't pay him, you're going to really, really regret it. Oh yeah, you are Uh, like, and that's the toughest, that's the toughest decision is do you pay two edge rushers top tier money? Like the average, the average edge rusher in the NFL makes about, 17 million dollars tj obviously makes like the most in 28 million dollars i think alex highsmith like you're paying him 20 mil especially if he continues this like if he if he has five more sacks six more sacks he hits 10 sacks last night 
you know, you're you're looking at a guy that's worth $17 million. I'm trying to pull it up right now. The Steelers estimated cap space in 2023, I believe this is what it would be in 2023 is let me pull let me pull this up. Well, like uh, all their money is six million dollars. <laughs> okay. So you have to free up some money, but like you are gonna I, have to free up some money. But this is a guy I think who's worth doing that for. Um yeah. But then at that point, like, you know, you're gonna have to make a decision. Like, you know, honestly, like Cam's gonna have to take a huge cap hit. They're gonna have to figure that out somehow. Deontay is probably gonna have to go. Like, yeah. you gotta figure something out because right now you're paying your defense a hundred million dollars a year. And they're not very good. And if you add another $17 million in that, you're upping the highest paid defense in the world. And you just, you know, you're going to have to make some, like you're going to have to hope that DeMarvin Leal turns into something huge overnight and could be a starter full time. You're going to kind of have to hope that Isaiah Loudermilk could be a starter full time. Yeah. Probably going to have to go find an inside linebacker somewhere on very cheap money. Like, you're going to have to make some moves, but I think that those moves are worth it for Alex Highsmith. Like I really, yeah. really do. Like yeah. I, I just, I would trade Deontay Johnson for it. If we're, and like, that stinks to say, cause like I said, I like Deontay Johnson, but if somebody came to Mike Tomlin on March 1st or whatever, it was like, Hey, we'll take Deontay Johnson and we'll take his cap hit. And they're looking at it going, well, we have to pay Alex Highsmith. Go pay Alex Highsmith. Yeah. No questions asked. No, questions absolutely. Asked. I agree. All right, we're heading out of here. Uh, last last thing I wanted to ask, I saw this up here from our good boy, uh, JT. Um, have you been sold on the Manscaped ad reads? Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> I was sold on the craftsmanship uh, from day one. No, I, I, I like the Manscaped, product, Manscaped products I've used. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're good stuff, um, and those ad reads always um, brighten my day every time Noah reads them. So I oh. – yeah. Top of the line ad reads. Like, oh, I, absolutely. I'm our contract up is up at the end of the year, you know, and they're going to tell us like, oh, people have bought your stuff, people have not bought your stuff. I'll be really disappointed if they're like, oh, we're done, guys. Because, and I'll tell them, I'll be like, look, it, I'll do this for free, man. Like, this is <laughs> this is my favorite part of the show is just doing these ad reads. Um, I actually brought it with me, and I I forgot to bring something to take it home, so we're just gonna have a bunch of Manscaped products rolling throughout <laughs> the car for a five and a half hour drive, but. All right, guys, I'm hitting the road. Thank you, everybody, for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Find us anywhere you get your podcast. Tomlin is talking at noon. I will not be on for a live stream today. However, I will be on tomorrow afternoon-ish after practice to uh, answer as many questions as I possibly can from you guys. Me and Steven will be back tomorrow as well for another episode. And then me and Derek on Friday. Enjoy the rest of your Victory Tuesday. Peace.